Welcome to Work Mom Says Don't Be an Idiot. And now, here's your host, Work Mom. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of Work Mom Says Don't Be an Idiot. I'm your host, Lori Jo Vest, also known as Work Mom. And I am here to help you learn how to play the emotional contact sport of business. And that means a lot of different things. It means your attitude. It means your relationships, your learning and growing your skills, all kinds of different things. So today we're going to talk about what's traditionally been referred to as work-life balance. Um, I was on a call this morning and we were laughing that it shouldn't really be balance. It should be the work-life blender because with us all working at home and, you know, not going to the office and hours are moving around and people are a lot more flexible and they want flexibility in their work. It's more like you're blending your personal life and your work together. And so we were laughing that it could be considered we work from home and we home from work. It's all mixed up. And if you're lucky, you love what you do, and that makes it a lot more manageable to be able to be flexible. If you're not so lucky and you don't like your job and you have to go into an office that's toxic, um, first piece of advice I would give you is to find another job. But if you're just having kind of a mediocre situation and you're not quite sure how to um, commit more closely to your personal time and your personal life and growth, this episode is for you. So basically what I did was I, I poked around, found some research to find out what it is that millennials want, millennials and the generations behind them, what do they want in work-life balance? And I came across an article in Forbes and it says younger workers expect and demand more flexibility from their jobs than previous generations tangibly impactful benefits are at the top of the millennials desires in a job and these benefits must support a healthy work-life balance in fact more than 80 percent of millennials say they seriously consider how a, a position will affect their work-life balance in making their their job change decision so it's really important that um, management people leaders company owners understand that the younger generation really does want more flexibility. They want to do things their way. If you, if they're good workers and you can be flexible, do it. It will pay off. So another um, Gallup report, and this is targeted to those leaders who think that people have to go back to the office. They don't have to go back to the office unless you've got a job that has to be performed on site. Maybe it's heavy equipment or it's, you know, safety issue or a restaurant and you're serving customers. Great. I understand that. That makes a lot of sense. But if your employees can work at home, why not let them? Again, in that same Forbes article, there is a Gallup report that said employees across various industries who spent 60 to 80 percent of their time working remotely had the highest rates of engagement and productivity. Companies are increasingly making this transition. Um, the article mentioned Amazon and United Health Group as two of the top 10 companies that have been offering remote work for since before the pandemic. So that's really telling. It is changing 60 to 80% of people report that they're happy, more productive, more engaged when they work at home. So leaders think about that. So if you're one of those millennials, young professionals, you know, in that age range, I know we talk a lot in these 
interesting segments these days, millennials and boomers and, you know, Gen X and all these different age ranges. I'm just going to say young people. And that means basically anybody under 30 that's still growing their career and and learning as they go. Um, It can be really hard to divvy up your day in segments for work and personal. It can be incredibly challenging, whether you have a doctor's appointment or you have a child at home, you have to scramble in the morning to get everybody up and off to school. Um, Flexibility is really important. And you have to give yourself some flexibility because what, what we noticed, what I've noticed in the last, you know, so many years and talking to young people and to people on my team is that your boss is not necessarily going to look out for your work-life balance or your blender. Your blender is up to you. Where do you want to put work? Where do you want to put your personal priorities and how do you want those to, to work together? And so a couple ideas that I came up with to help you do just that, because if you don't do it, nobody else will. Um, And the first one is, is to make it a priority. If you feel like you are just working way too much, got to start to scale back and make it a priority to also invite some personal activities into your life, some hobbies. Um, If you've always liked to read, if you always wanted to, you know, maybe you're a movie buff and you always want to see all the latest movies that come out. Um, you want to spend more time with your wife or you've got a a baby at home or a a teenager that's getting ready to leave the nest, or you just want to be healthier, um, mentally and physically work-life blend, an appropriate work-life blend and prioritizing that for yourself will bring you more joy and more success because again, flexibility is so important to the worker and it does change how you perform when you feel like people are looking out for you and you're looking out for yourself you're more balanced you're more productive you're more efficient so make yourself a priority um i'm going to share a quick story from a young woman that was on um she was on this podcast i think early on probably 10 episodes ago or so and her name was kelly and kelly talked about how when she was working at a small agency and putting in 60 to 80, 80 hours a week. She was in her mid-20s, maybe 25, and needed to, you know, felt like she needed to prove herself. She had a lot to learn, and she just threw herself 100% into her job. That's wonderful. Yay, Kelly. But as time went on, because she was so competent, they kept giving her more and more. Before you know it, she's just, you know, can't be competent anymore. She's just burned out, and she quit her job. Makes sense. That's what happens when employees get unhappy as they quit or they move on. They become vulnerable to poaching from recruiters, all kinds of things. But in Kelly's case, when she got out of that kind of hothouse agency environment, she realized that nobody was going to make Kelly's work-life blend a priority if she didn't. Because the employer will take advantage. That's just people's, that's human nature, for God's sake. It's human nature that we will take advantage of if someone's going to give and give and give, we'll take. And in a capitalist society like ours, um, employers will give you more. If you're competent, they will keep giving you more. And it's up to you to say, whoa, I can't take this. I need some of this work to be offloaded to someone else. I need a new job description. I need a different position. Or in some cases, I need a new job. So you have to make yourself a priority. And that can be really hard to do early on, but practice makes perfect. Even when it's not comfortable, do it anyway. Okay, the next suggestion for how to um, create 
a nice, unique work-life blend that works for you is to get some hobbies. Um, what did you used to do when you were maybe, you know, high school, college, just out of college and had time for hobbies? What did you love? Did you do art? Um, were you, you know, in a book club? Did you run? Um, there are so many different activities and hobbies and things that will really feed that personal side of your life. Um, things that you don't get paid for, whether it's volunteering, volunteering at a homeless shelter or gourmet cooking, taking cooking classes. I mean, there's so many things you can do, but get a few hobbies because that I think balances out your personality, your learning, your skills. Um, any new skill you learn, I don't care what it is, helps you with all your other skills. It gives you more confidence, um, makes you more robust in your skill set and your intellect. So get a few hobbies. Take a watercolor class. That was one of my favorites. Take, you know, buy a horse. <laughs> take a horseback riding. Take horseback riding lessons, and if you really like it, buy a horse. It will take up a lot of your time, but it's personal time and doing something that you love and are passionate about instead of time spent at work. You will never look back on your life and wish you had spent more time at work. It does not happen. So, okay, next tip is prioritize your health. Um, one of the things that happens often when people don't have a very good work-life blend is they will um, put everything into their career and they get home at eight o'clock at night and they grab some fast food on the way home. They gobble that up, play a little bit of video games or watch TV, go to sleep, get up the next morning and do it again. That is not healthy. It's not productive and it will negatively impact your health and your productivity at the office. So prioritize getting a good night's sleep, um, getting regular exercise, whatever works for you, walking, biking, running, um, do those things that make you a healthier, happier person. Eat less sugar. I'm just going to tell everybody, eat less sugar. Sugar is the devil. It's bad for us. Um, a reasonable amount is fine, but most of us, you know, in our daily sad American diets, um, eat more sugar than we should. So pay attention to those things and you'll notice you have more energy you have more passion, you have more joy, um, you have less stress hormones. All those things are exacerbated by not taking care of your health. Um, if you take care of your health, you don't have uh, as much anxiety, as much depression, um, low energy, all those things. So taking care of your health will take care of your career in a way as well and also help you with a work-life balance because putting your, your health in the, the personal basket is going to give that a little bit more weight. Pay attention to it. It really is important. Um, one of the things that, uh, another tip, but one of the things that I'm seeing lately that I think is so funny online is when somebody's acting crazy on a social post somewhere, somebody will say, go touch grass. And I'm telling you, it's really, really good advice, not just for snarky people on the internet, but for everybody. Get outside prioritize time spent outside. Um, one of the things that I think it does is it helps you understand that you are just a teeny tiny little speck. When you're outside and you look up, you know, look at the woods or you look up at the sky and, and see the stars or the beautiful blue clouds and you realize that that goes into infinity, you realize that you are a teeny tiny speck on a random planet. And it helps, I think, things that might seem really, really important feel a whole lot less important. It helps you keep your priority on 
being happy with your little tiny one life that you're ever going to get. You're only going to get one life. And if you don't take care of yourself and get outside and enjoy it, you're not you're not going to be a happy, joyful person. And that's the whole reason I do this podcast is to help you play the emotional contact sport. But also part of that success is joy and being outside, getting outside, taking walks, um, skiing in the winter, taking walks in the winter. You get those snow track things that go on the bottom of your feet and you get some poles and you can head out into the, the woods or maybe snowshoe. Um, there's all kinds of different things you can do outside year round, wherever you are. It's worth it. If you go outside for 10 minutes a day, it will change your life um, in a lot of different ways, physically and mentally. So personal theory, but I, you start, we're starting to see a lot more about that out in the world, that getting outside frequently makes a big difference in your, your happiness. And to me, that's part of that work-life balance. The next tip, second from the last, there's only two more here, is to be persistent about your boundaries. We talked earlier about um, not working in environments where you work, you've got 60 to 80 hours a week going consistently and constantly and no time for yourself. Don't do that. And matter of fact, don't do that from the beginning of your new job. Um, I worked with a woman. I just absolutely adore her. And her name is Lisa. And Lisa is very clear. She's got two small children. She's um, happily married. And part of her priority as a parent is that she's there for her kids. She can get them off to the bus take them to school, that she's there on the weekends. She's spending time with her kids. She's there after work. She's out at the games and the, you know, the um, soccer games and the brownies and Cub Scouts and taking the kids on field trips, all the things that you would like to do if you're a parent. Those are really wonderful things that feed your personal life and your family life. And so if you are starting a new position or even in a position you're currently in and say you have a child or you make a new commitment to taking a class or, you know, something that's going to require you to leave at a certain time every day or not work weekends, hold firm to those boundaries. Let your employer figure it out. You are allowed to have boundaries and in a, you know, to create your own unique work-life blend, um, boundaries are required. You have to hold on to them. And I'm not going to say it's easy because it's not. Um, when you are, faced with somebody saying, I need you to stay late. You've got to stay late. We've got to get this done. There are times when you're going to say, but well, I've got this commitment. Um, when you have to do that, suggest alternatives. You know, if you need to get to your kid's soccer game and you can't stay late, can you come in an hour early the next morning so that you can deal with that issue that was, that was needing attention? Um, there are ways to be persistent about your boundaries and also negotiate what your employer needs. So keep that in mind, but also know that anybody that asks you to break those boundaries consistently and constantly is, is not looking out for you. And that's important. You are, you are important. And a lot of times um, in a work environment, if the, the leaders aren't caring people, you feel like they don't care and you do feel like you're not important. And, and the reality is you are, but in some situations, you're the only one that's going to take care of you. So be persistent about those boundaries. Um, and last but not least, and we already touched on this earlier, if you need to find a new job because your current employer is just forcing you into this ridiculous situation where you're working 60, 80 hours a week, there's no possible way you can get enough personal time in to replenish you, um, which is what that personal time does, 
or even to rest from work, then it's time to it's time to go. It's time to find a new gig. Um, you don't have to let them know that you're looking. Um, you just kind of slowly and quietly in the background um, set yourself up for happiness because um, you can't let an employer dominate your life to the point where you have no personal um, time or you know no sensible balance in your life. So you just can't let it happen. Um, it can be tempting because they will put a lot of pressure on you sometimes. But when you need to find a new opportunity that's going to bring you more happiness and more success. So I hope this was helpful. Um, Work-life balance, the blend of, of professional and personal is never an easy conversation, especially if you're a career-oriented individual and you always want to serve your boss and serve your company so you get that next promotion. Any of these things that we're talking about um, in this podcast, none of those should get in the way of your success or being promoted or growing. In fact, they'll enhance that. And that's what I'm here for is to help you enhance your career and achieve more success. So um, signing off for now, um, I'm Lori Jovest. If you have any questions or guests you'd like me to have on the show, please visit workmomsays.com. And I have a contact form there that you can put your name and contact information in. Ask me any questions you have. I'm also an open networker on LinkedIn. And it's Lori Jo Best. Uh, and you can connect with me there. Ask me any questions. Um, tell me what subjects you'd like me to cover. I'm happy to do that. Or if you'd like to be a guest and you have something you think is important to talk about, I'm, he I'm here for all of that. And the last thing I'll do before I sign off is... My book came out in the middle of April. It's called Work Mom Says, Don't Be an Idiot, 38 Lessons You Don't Want to Learn the Hard Way. And I took all of my crazy stories from my 20s and 30s when I really didn't know what I was doing. And I, I call them my train wreck 20s and my 30s. I don't have a real great name for those. I've heard people say dirty 30s, but I wasn't dirty. I took showers and I was clean. But um, the... My 30s were tough, too, because I was still growing up and learning and trying to hit that next level of management and not having anybody that, you know, in my family that had had management experience or knew how to advise me. I was on my own and I learned so much and I shared all those lessons or 38 of them anyway. In this book, it's available on Amazon.com, Barnes and Noble. Um, it will soon be available at independent bookstores. But again, you can see the link to the book on workmomsays.com and read more about it there. Um, so that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for being here and uh, stay well. Thanks for listening to Work Mom Says. Don't be an idiot. For more information, you can email workmom at L-O-R-I workmomsays.com. That's Lori at workmomsays.com. And remember, <sighs> don't be an idiot. Don't be an idiot.